0: Time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Praise the Lord, thank God, it is Friday. Yeah. Dodgers ahead, two to nothing against Chicago. I grew up, grew up on the Dodgers, man. Steve Garvey, Davey Lopes, Ron Say, that's our Bill Russell, Reggie Smith. Yeah, Oh, Dusty Baker. Yeah, Rick Monday, That's you know, since I'm telling you I grew up on that, some of you are going to definitely say, yeah, he's uh, hmm, getting old, but i got to admit, it's good to see Dodger Blue doing well in the playoffs. <clears throat> I know that's going to upset some people, but we have a large listening audience in Southern California, <laughs> and it has nothing to do with Christianity. Just uh, we were hoping for a freeway series here, you know, but the Angels uh, biffed it in the first game. So, yeah, and uh, our our resident expert on baseball, John, uh, you know, he uh, he he does not know who's who. At this point, it's anyone's guess as to who's going to make it to the World Series in uh, for the American League. But uh, he his his money's on the Dodgers. He thinks the uh, Dodgers and Phillies are going to play in the next uh, next round. He thinks the Dodgers are going to beat the Phillies, and that would be just like when I was a kid. You know, it was the Dodgers versus the Phillies every year in the National League playoff. And uh, <clears throat> I feel like I'm just reliving my childhood. <laughs> All right. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro, and I am your servant in Christ. My job here on a daily basis is to dish up a daily dose of biblical discernment. We have a little bit of fun along the way. Some people have said that I have biting humor. That's right. I have a good dental plan, so just. <laughs> All right, for today's show, we've got some good stuff for you. We've Got some listener email. We're going to be uh, t- talking about Patricia. We're going to be listening to Patricia King as part of our show today. Uh, I think we're going to be talking about the doctrine of original sin, going moving forward in the Augsburg Confession a little bit today. And I think that'll probably, you know, maybe not in the order I just listed. Yeah, I think it would confuse people. I think, okay, we're going to do listener email. We're going to talk a little bit about original sin. And then for today's entertainment extraordinaire, we're going to listen to Patricia King. The, this is the woman who brought us werewolf ministries and uh, who brought us also the, what is it, mortuary ministries? Raising. <laughs> yeah, go, sending out prayer teams to raise people from the dead. But uh, so far their mortuary ministries have yet to raise a single person from the dead. See, that's a problem. Again, John asked the question, what happens if they accidentally raise somebody from the dead and they're already six feet under? Now, you know, this is a good question because some cemeteries, have you seen, you know, after they put the casket in the ground, they put like a little cement block thing, you know, over that too. You know, th- that person's down there. You know, that that person ain't coming up for no reason, no how. I mean, and so if you are raised from the dead in your casket while six feet under and you're not able to escape within a couple of minutes, then, well, you're dead again. <laughs> yeah, right at that point, I think uh, this would be like a a spiritual malpractice suit. I see wow. that happening. You know, you know my my relative suffered needlessly you know, and died again, thanks to the negligence of Patricia King and her mortuary ministry. Is that like being born again, again? Yeah, it's again? like being born again, 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 again. Oh man! All right, got a uh, email from Ben. And we were talking about uh, this is continuing with our. Our idea: Does your pastor refuse to feed you? Or if 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 uh, if the sermon were a meal, what is your pastor dishing up for uh, for dinner every Sunday? Well, um, he, <laughs> Ben came up with an idea of assigning different foods for different, uh, particularly well-known Christian leaders. Uh, Mark Driscoll, he said that uh, Mark Driscoll would actually be a steak burrito, but uh, but his burritos are a little too spicy for some people. <laughs> he says they're well-balanced nutritionally, and baby Christians might not be able to chew on the steak, but they can eat the guacamole. Okay, that's an uh, interesting way of putting it there, Ben. And uh, just so everyone knows, officially what my position is on Mark Driscoll, You know, if I know I've talked about Driscoll, and I'll say it again. Driscoll is a Christian brother. He definitely feeds his sheep God's word. And uh, he's just really a little bit rough around the edges when it comes to the way he says things. And so uh he definitely would be a, a Tabasco sauce kind of Christian. And uh and so the way I don't look at Driscoll as a wolf. He's not a wolf. Okay. He's not he's not a Doug Padgett. He's not a he's not a Tony Jones. He's not a Brian McLaren. He's not a Rick Warren. He's not even a Bill Hybels or any of these seeker sensitive guys. He's he's a he's absolutely a Christian brother and you know my prayer for him is is that as he gets older he gains wisdom along the way because I'll tell you this um I've got a lot of wisdom I've got to learn, you know, in doing my own radio program. I mean, everyone remembers the whole uh, R-word fiasco because Rosebro was insensitive and said the R-word. Retarded, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, so I've got a lot of uh, learning to do myself. And so, you know, my prayers are for Mark Driscoll that he continues to exalt and proclaim Christ in him crucified. And that, uh, you know, as as uh, let the Holy Spirit deal with him regarding his spicy words. (laughs) Pray for him. Tell him you love him. And and ask him to, uh, you know, use the gifts that God has given him in a way to exalt Christ in everything that he says, and even in every way that he says it. Now, Rick Warren, according to Ben uh talking with the food analogy, would be uh, serving gravy only when people complain that they're still hungry, he would tell them that they need to teach themselves how to make their own gravy. <laughs> I actually think that uh, having Rick Warren be gravy is generous. I I would actually think that Rick Warren is a Twinkie. You know, he's he's serving Twinkies. Still has too much yeah. Do you think Twinkies have too much substance? Too much substance. Okay, I need some I-, I need a good empty calorie analogy then. What's I know. Yeah. (laughs) Hardtack. Hardtack. Doesn't the scripture talk about something that tastes good going down, but then it's bitter in your stomach? Is that wormwood or something? I, I'm doing that from memory, so I'm messing that up. All right. Ben continues. Says Rob Bell would be burnt chicken. (laughs) He said that he had decent theology for a while, but has left the oven on for too long, and the pleasant-smelling chicken is starting to gain a bit of charcoal stench. Turn off the oven, Rob. All right, and then Brian uh, McLaren would be uh, flavored sawdust. It tastes delicious to some who have never tasted real food. And then Paula White would be rat poison casserole. (laughs) One big mess of religious terms surrounding poisonous teachings about law and gospel. It has the appearance of food, but to take a big gulp of it could leave you uh, calling poison control, or you could be dead. (laughs) Uh, Ben. Clever email, good, good thinking here. Like it. All right, all right. Got, got this one. Just minutes before I went on the air. Um, Ray wrote, you know, that uh, regarding uh, our sermon review from yesterday, Chris Songson's sermon. If you haven't heard the, yesterday's program, go back and listen to it. We actually spent quite a bit of time listening to a sermon by pastor. I mean, life coach. Uh, I mean, motivational speaker. Uh, Chris Songson from South Hills Church in Corona, California. He's in our backyard. He's a purpose-driven guy, and he and he's, uh, Ray writes. He says, as I was listening to your review of Songson's sermon, and he has sermon in quotes, his sermon. I realized a very good analogy for these so-called pastors and the true effects on their poor sheep is that of Worm Tongue and King Theoden in The Lord of the Rings. Rather than building up the king with the truth, the lies of worm tongue turn Theoden into a weak, sickly, half-blind man whose clouded mind can't discern truth from lies or recognize those who truly love him and instead becomes a puppet of evil. Well, that's a full-blown analogy there. Wow. <laughs> uh, Ray, I agree. He says, if this isn't a perfect illustration of what Sonks and those of his ilk do to their congregations, I don't know what is. He says Eowyn's judgment of worm tongue couldn't fit these guys more. He said, you know, she said your po- your words are poison. Yep. I completely agree and yes, it's I can tell that uh, Ray is a fantasy geek and he confesses to being as such. And that's okay. You can be a fantasy geek and still be a, a, a solid Christ-centered gospel believing Christian. So um, in this particular case, you know this is an apt analogy, and I think we're going to have to use this in the future. Ray from Los Angeles, California, good email. All right, what are we going to do next here? You know, I I could do Patricia King right now. We could do Patricia King, but then you know, but see, there'd be no suspense. Be no suspense. <laughs> All right, I, I'll I'll save Patricia King for just a little bit. What we'll do right now is we'll, uh, we're going to continue talking about uh, just basic doctrine. You know, uh, And we're using uh, the Augsburg Confession, just go, walking through it, going through it uh, section by section. The first one we did was regarding the doctrine of God and spent some time with you guys in the Scriptures regarding the doctrine of the Trinity. Well, we're going to spend a little bit of time in the scriptures taking a look at the doctrine of original sin. This is a, this is actually a very critical doctrine because what you believe here is going to determine your understanding of the gospel. And I've used this metaphor before; I'll use it again. If you go to a doctor and you complain about particular symptoms that you have, and the doctor says to you, "Well, it sounds like you know um, you, you've got a flu." And so you know, take a couple of aspirin, drink lots of water, and call me in a week, right? And you know, if if that's the advice that he gave you, and it turned out that you actually had terminal cancer, then that would be a gross, uh, a really a gross misdiagnosis uh, of what your of, of what your disease is. So how how bad is our condition as humans? and uh you know this is a controversial doctrine that's the doctrine of original sin and you know and we need to understand in fact I might end up spending more than one radio program on this because there's a lot of confusion about what it means regarding original sin you know how how dead are you in your sins i know that sounds like a silly question when you phrase it how dead is dead <laughs> is it is it only mostly dead i'm feeling better <laughs>
1: not dead yet i'm feeling better
0: Or is it, are you really dead? You know, Americans do not like this idea that uh, that by nature, they are dead in their trespasses and sin and by nature are sinful and unclean and do not like the idea that, you know, we are so dead that uh, we can't choose God, but God has to choose us. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff here. But see, the thing is, is that uh, you either believe in original sin, or as Martin Luther likes to put it in his book, The Bondage of the Will, or you believe in original righteousness. If you really believe that you can, you know, that you can make a decision for God, then um, let me give an example. Here, Here, this is from a doctrinal, this is from the doctrinal statement from one of these purpose-driven churches, and uh, under the, this is their beliefs regarding man. It says, Man is made in the spiritual image of God. To be like him in character, he is the supreme object of God's creation. Although man has tremendous potential for good, he is marred by an attitude of disobedience toward God called sin. This attitude separates man from God. <laughs> okay, let me read that again. Okay, this is, from, uh, this is from a very, very well-known purpose-driven church by the name of New Spring Church. And uh, the pastor there is Perry Noble. And here's what they say. Man is made in the spiritual image of God to be like him in character. He is the supreme object of God's creation, although he, man has tremendous potential for good. He's marred by an attitude of disobedience. You, in, in other words, you've <laughs> you have got a tood problem. You've just got a bad attitude towards God, and you just need to you just need to get the right attitude. The <sighs> Man, see, this is the thing: you mess this one up, you mess up the gospel. Okay, you mess this up, you mess up the gospel. It has a tremendous potential for good, is marred by an attitude of disobedience toward God called sin. And this attitude separates man from God. Is that what the Bible teaches? That we have a bad attitude and that bad attitude is called sin? <laughs> come on. Anyone want to come and defend this one? Send me an email. If you think that the problem with man is that we just have a bad attitude towards God, um, then all we got to do is change our attitude so that we can experience our potential for good. <sighs> huh. Yeah, you, know, you see, I don't make these things up. It's just you know, it just happens to be what's out there. So, um, what we'll do? Here. <laughs> All right. So, what we're going to do right now is we'll spend a little bit of time talking about what the Bible actually teaches regarding our our state. Now, any of you ever read Ayn Rand's book Atlas Shrugged? I I, I gotta admit that that's that's a seductive book right there. Love John Galt's character, but uh, Ayn Rand through her at the, her John Galt character. Really takes some shots at uh, the the doctrine of original sin, and just considers that to be you know uh, this the most evil doctrine in the world. This idea that we are by nature sinners, and that that and that's what we do. We sin because by nature that's what sinners do. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a look real quick here and find out what it is that the Bible teaches, and we'll use the Augsburg Confession as our backdrop for this. So here we, here's what the Augsburg Confession says about original sin. It says, We believe, teach, and confess that since the fall of Adam, all men who are born according to the course of nature are conceived and born in sin. That is, all men are full of evil lust and inclinations from their mother's wombs and are unable by nature to have true fear of God and true faith in God. Moreover, this inborn sickness and hereditary sin is truly sin, and it condemns to the eternal wrath of God all those who are not born again through baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's a completely different thing than we have a bad attitude. So on the one hand, we have a bad attitude towards God, and we just need to get a better attitude so that we can experience our potential for good. Or... We can say, we can say we are by nature sinners and we have no true fear of God and true faith in God. These are two completely different diagnoses. Okay. And I'll put it this way. Just let's just, let's just use some simple logic here. Either one is true and the other is false. Right. Or they could both be false. False. I mean, maybe there's a third there's a third position here. I I don't know, or um, oh, oh, yeah, let's see. We got one is true, the other's false. Both are or, or both are false. I guess. I guess we, but see, the thing is, the one thing that we can't say is that both are true. Yeah, because they contradict each other. It's not. It's you know. It's either we just have a bad attitude towards God, and we need to get a better attitude, or we're really by nature sinful and unclean. So which is it? What does the Bible teach? Okay. Well, in order to understand original sin, there's kind of a couple of key aspects. Number one is this concept of cult that's called hereditary guilt and hereditary corruption. And see, uh, and here's what it comes down to: original sin. This is important. You do not commit original sin. Adam's sin is actually imputed to you as if you're the one who committed it. Now, I know that sounds just not fair. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! Wait a second. What are you saying, Chris? Um, let me let me elucidate here. And I'm just using the word elucidate because it's Friday, and using that word just makes me sound smarter. (laughs) You know, I sound like such a jerk when I talk like that. (laughs) But you look good on the radio. But I look good on the radio, right? See, yeah. I've got the greatest face for radio. (laughs) Okay. All right, so here's the deal. Okay, I know you don't like this concept, but um, the, basically the idea here is is that regarding hereditary guilt. Okay, so Adam and Eve are in the garden, right? Adam's off to having a siesta. I don't know what he's doing; it doesn't say. The uh, Satan, in the form of a snake, comes and has has a conversation with Eve, right? And you know, and just you know, just asks a couple of questions, gets a little bit of you know familiar with things, and and she's talking about how God. Had said not to, to eat of the fruit of you know of these of the of the trees in the center of the garden and immediately uh what's satan's question did god really say did god really say it's the same tactic he uses today does god's word really say that jesus is the only way to god does do, is, does God really intend that only salvation is found in Jesus Christ? Is God and did He really say that? Come on, and you could see His little forked tongue going. <laughs> 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 right. So what happens? He says, "Well, I, oh, well, I." Well, and then next thing you know, she's eating the fruit, the forbidden fruit. Right. Now it's not an apple, by the way. You know, I don't know why it is that we equate it with apples. Yeah. I don't it's you know it,
1: it like all
0: you know? The apple Yeah, see never mind. Anyway, so it wasn't an apple tree. It was the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay. So Adam partakes of the sin, you know, by eating as well, you know, cuz you know Eve being a good, you know, a good wife shares with her husband. And the two of them now have disobeyed God. Okay. Now, this is where it gets really really interesting. Okay, were you and I there? Well, pardon me for putting it this way. Actually, we were, okay? Uh, We were, all right, this is going to sound really bizarre. We were there in the sense that we were in the loins of Adam and Eve. Okay? Okay? All of humanity was being carried by Adam and Eve within them in a real sense. Okay? So here's where it gets real fun. Their sin is imputed to us as if we're the ones who committed it. In other words, God's basically saying, hey, listen, it doesn't matter if it was Adam and Eve or Joey and, and Rebecca. Whoever would have been there would have done the same thing. And because we were all technically there as a human race, because Adam and Eve perfectly represented us. I mean, they were perfect human beings at this time. They were not. They were sinless. OK, that uh, that sin that they committed gets imputed to us as if we're the ones who committed it. Yay for us. Now, I know this sounds unfair, but I want you to think of the converse of this real quick. Um, Jesus' perfect righteousness is actually imputed to us as if we're the ones who lived it. So if you have a problem with Adam and Eve's sin being imputed to you, then I'm sure you would have a problem with Jesus' righteousness being imputed to you by faith as well, right? Anyway... So, and then there's this hereditary corruption that goes along with original sin that basically says that all are conceived and born sinners by nature. And how do we know this? Because everybody dies. Wages of sin is death. And we all got a payday coming. You, me, John, my son, Josh, my family, all of us, none of us gets to escape it. Okay. So, um, this is, okay, this is all kind of, I'm, I'm, putting you in touch with like the, the, the basic concepts here, and then we'll go into the Scriptures. So in other words, this is critical in understanding original sin. Adam and Eve became sinners by committing a sin, okay, which is different than us, because all of their descendants sin because they are sinners by nature. Something changed in the human race terribly, so that by nature we are sinners. And what I like to tell people is, is is that the uh, the reason you commit sin is because that's what sinners do? Snakes slither, cows moo, dogs bark, sinners sin. And if you think you ain't a sinner, then you deceive yourself, and the truth is not in you. Right? So, First John writes. All right, so some key passages here just some key passages to help us out uh, Romans chapter 5 verses 15 through 19 let me pull this up in my computerized Bible Romans chapter 5 verses 15 through 19 alright now listen to this but the free gift is not like the trespass for if the many died through the one man's trespass talking about Adam and Eve or Adam here um, how much more have has the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man Jesus Christ abounded for the many You catch what's going on here? Two parallel tracks running in different directions. Through the disobedience of the one man, Adam, all of us were made sinners. So by the obedience of the other man, that's Jesus Christ, we will be made righteous. Okay. So I said, if you don't like the fact that Adam's sin is imputed to you and that you have hereditary corruption and hereditary guilt then you're not going to like the fact that uh, Jesus' righteousness is given to you and is imputed to you as if you're the one who committed it. Okay? As for me, I know I'm dead in my trespasses and sins and this whole free grace thing, the fact that Christ is offering me his righteousness as a gift, I'll take it. (laughs) Because I haven't got a chance. I haven't got even an inkling of a chance of standing (laughs) <laughs> before God's court to defend myself using my own righteousness and not think for a second that I wouldn't be thrown into hell you know, you're know, you talking to a sinner here you're listening to a sinner here I haven't got a snowball's chance of making it if I have to do this on my own righteousness I'm gone that's it God would basically say hey Chris to hell with you and you know what I wouldn't be able to point a finger back at God and God say that's not fair <laughs> because I can tell you right now, that's exactly what I deserved. How about you? How righteous are you? Just remember, um, righteousness is not get, uh, graded on a sliding scale. It's graded on a... You're either perfect or not perfect. And that's the problem, is, is that when you were conceived, you were born in sin, and you already had one sin against you, Adams. So no one, no one... Coming into this world through the natural means, no human being is righteous. Not one. In fact, Psalm 51 5 says this Surely I was sinful at birth and sinful from the time my mother conceived me. That's <laughs> Psalm 51 5. David writing Surely I was sinful at birth and sinful from the time my mother conceived me. He's not saying he was illegitimate, he's saying that he's by nature sinful. Romans 8, 7 says this The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Why? Because by nature it is sinful. Okay, you're born with a gun pointed at God's head, and you keep pulling the trigger. Or And then there's Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Excellent stuff on uh, the doctrine of original sin. Definitely need to read it. It says As for you, you were dead in trespasses and sins. Notice it doesn't say mostly dead, it doesn't say you were wounded, it doesn't say you were maimed, (laughs) it doesn't say any of that. It says you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Lovely. Sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Well, that doesn't paint a very promising picture of people who have lots of potential for good, does it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't. And this is where, I'm sorry, but Perry Noble and you know his his little thing that he wrote... That uh, man is made in the spiritual image of God. He is the supreme object of God's creation. Although man has a tremendous potential for good, he is marred by an attitude of disobedience. That doesn't even remotely, properly diagnose the problem. It's not that we have a potential for good and that we have an attitude of disobedience. We are dead in trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2.1. We are by nature children of of wrath, Ephesians 2.3. Okay, like the rest of mankind. Dead is dead is dead is dead. How bad is it for us? There's no one righteous. Not even one. No one who serves God. No one, no one, not. Anyway, so I'm sorry, but anybody who thinks that man has a potential for lots of good when it comes to God doesn't understand what the Bible teaches. So you're dead, gone vamnos it's 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 all over for you man in fact it was never started because it was over in Adam and Eve okay now um those rejected teachings we reject the teachings of the pelagians and the semi-pelagians both ancient and modern from the augsburg confession but what is pelagianism okay you, you pre-seminary students listening okay you're looking for a wife, and you want one that's theologically astute. Throw around the word words Pelagianism and semi-Pelagianism. I guarantee you, it'll help you get a date. Okay, you definitely want women who understand what these terms mean. Pelagianism is the belief that original sin did not taint human nature. Okay, which being uh, okay, and that and that more uh, that mortal will is still capable of choosing good or evil without divine aid. Thus, Adam's sin was uh, to set a bad example for us, okay? Uh, <laughs> it's just, you know, you know, so Adam Adam just set a bad example, okay? We just we need a better example than him. And that means Jesus was just, you know, the example of good. See, Adam set a bad example by disobeying God, and Jesus set a good example by obeying him. Yeah, that's right. All you got to do is, is choose which would you want. Do you want to be good or do you want to be bad? okay. Now, Pelagianism, just so you know, is a heresy rejected by the church. Okay, uh, Augustine, St. Augustine, uh, wrote extensively against the Pelagian heresy, and the church definitely identified it as a heresy. No, why? Because Scripture is clear. We are by nature sinful, dead, at war with God, not capable by nature of obeying God's law. So if that's the case, then there's nothing good in us. And Adam's sin was not just a bad example. According to scripture, it says we were made sinners through the act of the one man. Read what I wrote, what I just read to you from Romans. All right. Now, semi-Pelagianism, which is rampant in the American church, folks. This is the one that we all suffer from. Is It's a more mild form of Pelagianism. Um and and the reason why pelagianism is running rampant is because biblical literacy in America is at an all-time low. Okay? Um basically, you know, semi-pelagianism uh teaches this idea that, you know, that, you know, uh, it's it's just a milder form of it, but you can still choose God. You can do it. Just search inside of yourself and find the good and follow it and make a decision for Jesus. The problem is, is that the Bible says we can't do that. Um, John six forty four says this, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Uh, no, one who, <laughs> no one can come to Jesus unless the Father who sent him draws him, and then Jesus will raise him up on the last day. The uh, Greek word for draw there is the Greek word helkuo, and it's this idea. It, it's, it draw, draw is like throw some ropes around a, a statue and drag a statue. You, it, it, the, the emphasis there in that greek word is is that the object being moved is incapable of as profe- pro- uh, incapable of propelling itself or in the case of persons is unwilling to do so voluntarily so um you know very clear there and um john six sixty five, jesus says i told you that no one can come to me unless the father has enabled him and we're not saved by a human decision. So semi-Pelagianism and Pelagianism are rejected. They're both heresies. They're both wrong. The do- The Christian, correct Christian doctrine as gleaned from the Scriptures, not Chris's opinion or Martin Luther's opinion or Calvin's opinion, but what the Scripture teaches. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, John, uh, uh, P- Paul made it clear, we are dead by nature in trespasses and sins, And we are by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We cannot come to God. There's nothing good within ourselves. So, yeah, all the rest of that stuff is rejected. So, anyway. All right, we're going to go into our break. And you know what? I think I'm going to do, although I don't know how long today's show is going to go. If I know I'm going to really go long, then I'm going to have two breaks. I want to warn you ahead of time. If, If... you know, if, if it's looking like this thing is going to go into, you know, way extra innings now that I have no restraints upon me whatsoever. This is really bad. I feel bad for people, you know, because here Rosebro has his radio show, and there's no time constraints on him whatsoever. In other words, you're just at my mercy. I'll go until I'm good and done. <laughs> yeah, okay. That Maybe that's the wrong attitude. Um, so, <laughs> anyway. So we might have we we're going to start having a second break. You know, it's like second breakfast. So, if I if I know I'm going to go long. anyway, if you would like to email me and uh, let me know how you believe that you have a lot of great potential and that you just have a bad attitude towards God by nature, <sighs> email me. Talk back at fightingforthefaith.com. That's talk back at fightingforthefaith.com, and we will be right back.
2: Relevance Shmelevance, we preach Christ crucified for our sins. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My local Christian bookstore just sells Jesus flock. Where can I find good material? We at NewReformationPress.com are committed to providing a hand-picked selection of books and teaching materials that educate, inform, and entertain while uniquely maintaining a relentless focus on the gospel. We believe that these forgotten doctrines and their scriptural emphases can not only enrich individual Christians and revive the church, but also address the deepest needs of our culture. Discover our growing library of resources by Dr. Rod Rosenblatt of the White Horse Inn radio program, including his powerful address, The Gospel for Those Broken by the Church, available exclusively at newreformationpress.com or the big-picture audio presentation, Bible in an Hour by Pastor Wade Butler. Learn the center and scope of redemptive history and scripture in just one hour. And of course, be sure not to miss our selection of t-shirts, gifts, and artwork as well. NewReformationPress.com Finally, Reformation Theology made accessible.
3: Hi there. Well, I'm starting um, a four-part series, and it's going to make some of you very glad, and maybe some of you that are...
0: back i just like listening to this bumper music it makes me sound so edgy so cutting edge so cool and i'm so not although i am excited to let people know that i'm i've lost six pounds via walking and the little red kayak i'm losing weight i'm 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 losing weight and feeling great. In fact, the more weight I lose, that makes me holier than any of you. Uh, All right, no, it doesn't. (laughs) Sorry, uh, skinny people, that is not a sign of holiness. It's just a sign of skinniness. You know what really bugs me are those people who say things like, you know, I have a medical condition, and I I just can't gain weight. (sighs) Man, why can't I have that problem? (laughs) Yeah, that would be much too easy. Anyway, we're going to uh, dive into the next segment. We're going to be talking about Patricia King. Yeah, hey, we've got some Patricia King uh, news. Uh, Extreme Prophetic, which is the name of her uh, <clears throat> ministry. And, and I use that in the loosest terms here. Um, it's definitely not a Christian ministry. But uh, Patricia King, just in case you're not familiar, she's the one who brought us such wonderful ministry ideas as raising people from the dead. And she talks about the fact that she's actually cast out werewolf demons from people. And so our our Patricia King music, that you know, the theme song for her, is uh, from uh, Bobby Boris uh, uh, Pickett, the Monster Mash. So we've got to play that in, in honor of Patricia King.
4: when my eyes beheld an eerie sight for my monster from his slab began to rise and suddenly to my surprise he did the, match. He did the monster man it was a graveyard smash he
1: did the match.
4: it got on in a flag he, he did the monster man from my laboratory in the castle east to the master did do a vampire's feast The ghouls all came from their humble abode To get a jolt from my electrode. They
1: did the, match.
4: They did the monster man
1: oh, It was a graveyard they did the match. It caught on They did the,
4: match. They did the, match. They did the monster man the zombies were having fun. The party had just begun. The guests included Wolfman, Dracula, and his son. The scene was Rocky while we're digging the sounds. Igor on chains, back by his baying
0: hounds. All right, I think we got the the point there. Patricia King update music is definitely the Monster Mash. And we've got some great stuff from Patricia King today. We're going to be listening to her, one of her latest YouTube videos called God Loves Prosperity. But before we get to that, we've got to get to Patricia King talking about the wine cellar of heaven and how the wine cellar of heaven is open and... uh Wait till you see this little bit of scripture twisting. Because, you know, she's such a faithful teacher of God's word. Um, oh. Here we go.
3: The very first time I ever went into the wine cellar in heaven and there is w-
1: What? <laughs>
0: is, she drunk? is she drunk? She's cla- She says the very first time. Like she's been there before. The first, time. first time I've been to the wine cellar in heaven. This woman's preaching her supposed vision, I guess. The very first time I went into the wine cellar of heaven. We're already off on the wrong foot, but let's continue.
3: uh, (laughs) The very first time I ever went into the wine cellar in heaven, and there is wine in heaven. The Bible says so. And, um, whoa. And I went. Oh,
0: yeah, that was a download. Yeah, she just got a spiritual download. She just, see, God's touching her, you know, poking her. Whoa. I think she's high. Yeah.
3: Into this wine, and there's all different kinds of wine. There was barrel after barrel after barrel after barrel
1: of wine. And there were names, like labels on the wine barrels. And there was like, the wine of peace, and the wine of joy, and the wine of health, and the wine of strength, the wine of prosperity.
0: And- uh, why should we believe this woman, even for a second? I mean, this is, is this not most, one of the most ridiculous things you've ever heard?
1: The room was full of angels, and they looked like they'd been imbibing. They were made...
0: Drunken angels? She had a vision of drunken angels? And they looked like they'd been imbibing? You know what's really funny is is that uh, the scriptures, in describing whenever men have encounters with angels, um, it seems like over and over again, the general reaction to an angel is, Ah! <laughs> Freak, out. Freak out. Scared to death. Terrified. Sorry if I hurt you guys' ears. I should have warned you. I mean, Seriously. And this woman sitting there said, and so the very first time I went to the wine cellars in heaven, because, you know, I go there like every weekend just to unwind with the angels. They look like they've been imbibing.
1: Did they have manding? No. To live in that room, I've, I think, but, uh, whoa! Whoa! <laughs> they smiled at me and they said, would you like some? <laughs>
0: Drunken angels offering her some of the wine from heaven, from the wine cellar of heaven. Yeah. Yeah. I bet God has a great collection of wines.
1: I said, yes, I would like some. And, um.
0: (laughs) You know, Patricia, you, you seem like you've been drinking already. And I bet you weren't even in heaven when you were doing it.
3: The Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, I never want my people. To be drunk on the world's wine. He said, this is the real wine.
1: He's got the good stuff.
3: Of the glory. This is the wine of the kingdom. And he says, and I want you to come anytime you want.
1: She can come any. Did you hear this? Man, God's
0: given her direct access to the wine cellar of heaven. She can come anytime she wants.
3: <laughs> and drink as much as you want. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> Any kind that
1: you want. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Does that sound demonic to you?
1: Oh Whoa!
0: <laughs>
1: and um ho! ho I tell you the doors to the wine cellar are opened in this room.
0: Oh, that's great news! I mean, too bad we weren't there when this was being filmed. I mean, you know, because uh, the people there at the they, what a special gift that must have been! I mean, to to know that the the doors to the wine cellar of heaven were open to the people who were there that night. I'm
1: so jealous. No, heaven is not eons away. It is one sphere away. It is one step of faith away. What is
0: it with these people and their fascination and absolute obsession with drunkenness uh token the holy Ghost, drugs and alcohol basically what it comes down to what what what's their fascination with that? why are they so obsessed about those things?
3: You got to get that by download of Revelation, because I don't have time to unpack it right now. But I can, I can.
0: Okay, so you know, you guys, you need to download from uh, from heaven on this. So just hit the download button, and uh, that way you can, you know, get the direct download of Revelation. Uh, where's the spiritual download button? I can't find mine. John, do you have a spiritual download button somewhere? Well, no, see that's this is a computer keyboard yeah, see you are talking physical stuff where hey, does anyone out there know where the spiritual download button is? I can't find mine. What do I press? yeah, yeah that's right that that that's exactly it. that reminds me of the Calvin and Hobbes cartoon which Calvin wants to be a firefly and he's out in the, his yard, you know looks like he's really straining really hard to get his rear end to light up and he he says he doesn't know which muscle to flex uh, I don't know where my spiritual download button is man
1: but um ho ho he, whoa! whoa I don't know why I'm doing that
0: because I don't feel anything
3: Hebrews 9, verse 24 says
0: this. Uh Uh-oh, she's opening up the Bible. Uh, Okay. Now, before she opens this up, I want you to watch what happens here. What she's doing, she's opening up the Bible. She's going to read to you something from Hebrews. And everything she's talked about regarding the wine cellar of heaven. Okay, this is the setup here. She's going to take what she reads in Scripture, hold up something that sounds very similar to the gospel. And then she's going to rip that out of your hand and she's going to replace it with this wine cellar business. So watch, how, watch how she twi- twists the word here. This is fun.
3: For Christ did not enter a holy place made with hands, a mere copy of the true one, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. The, the phrase holy place there... Whoa whoa Equals heaven yeah. in that Okay, she's right so far. That scripture it says so, right? It says into heaven itself, not a holy place made by man's hand, but Christ has entered into heaven itself. Then it says, Therefore, brethren Since we have confidence to enter yeah. the holy place or to enter heaven itself
0: uh oh boy we're messing that one up
3: enter heaven itself how by the blood of jesus by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh and
1: since we have a great priest over the house of god let us draw near to what to christ
0: heaven
3: itself
0: <laughs> to the uh, all right all right, so uh, she's read this passage. Now watch what she does here, because remember the whole setup here was the wine cellar of heaven. She's read a very good passage that lays out the gospel and how we draw near to God through the shed blood of Christ. But watch what she does with this.
1: The wine cellar in heaven.
0: Okay, now i got to back it up. That's the thing I don't like about YouTube videos. It's, it's not easy to back them up. So let's let's see if I get this one. The
1: wine cellar.
0: And man,
1: Roseburg. Here we go. Through the veil, that is his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to what? Heaven itself. To the wine cellar in heaven itself. How?
0: What? <laughs> what? We need to draw near to the wine cellar in heaven itself? She just inserted that whole wine cellar business. Remember, she's exegeting her so-called vision that she had of drunken angels offering her uh, as much as she... <sighs>
3: With a sincere heart. How many of you here have a sincere heart?
0: I don't. I bet you don't either, Patricia.
1: In full assurance of faith. Show! In Jesus' name, the bar is open! The wine is open just come on in and drink 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 as much as you want because we can live in the house of wine the house of wine
0: you know watching her it kind of reminds me of watching the devil in action um because that was satanic wow Holy guacamole. Man, that was bad. Um, She just took a gospel passage in... That, huh, no bueno. Uh, Scott Gerken, uh writes from Oakwood, Illinois. He says, check your navel. That's uh, regarding your spiritual download button. He, <laughs> this just in. Scott Gerken thinks that my navel might be my spiritual download button. Thanks, Scott. Um, you may be right. You know, let, let me check to see. Hang on. Uh nope nothing happened. Um, I'm sorry you didn't y'all didn't need that mental visual did you? Uh, okay no it's definitely not my navel Scott thanks for writing though, and <laughs> thanks for playing. No good idea but no. All right let's. Uh... <laughs> wow so Patricia King exegeting a passage of scripture turns it into uh, the bar is open the. Uh... Wow don't even have words for it anymore the fact that anyone would consider this woman to be a christian woman or speaking god's words or anything christian is beyond me but those people were just um, drinking it up <laughs> pun intended all right let's uh let's uh switch gears here and let little do, do do a little more patricia king she's got a brand new set of prosperity i mean videos on youtube these are teaching videos, and this one's uh, called God Loves Prosperity. Let's hear Patricia King telling us how God loves prosperity.
3: Hi there. Well, I'm starting um, a four-part series, and it's going to make some of you very glad, and maybe some of you that are watching for this very first clip, you might even be agitated.
0: By- uh, yeah, that that's kind of an understatement because you keep twisting God's word, you rebellious woman, you
3: by the very title that I've chosen, because it's, it's called, Did You Know That God Loves Prosperity? And, you know, I meet people all over uh, the world as I'm around Christian circles that actually... You know, it's funny. I, I can remember
0: a passage of Scripture. that it's, it's so faint in my memory. You know, there was a guy who used to sit behind the, the goalposts at football games, and he used to have like a... A multicolored uh clown afro going on, and he would hold up a Bible verse. Was it was it John 316? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the bo- the world, but that through Jesus the world might be you know, well, okay. Um huh. So, we'd have to change this. We've now... God so loved prosperity. God loves prosperity?
3: Huh? Hmm. They believe that God is against prosperity. They believe that he would prefer that we would be... Poor and that in our poverty we would be called humble and that humility or that type of humility would please him. And I think that there's a, a, a gross misrepresenting of the person of God and of the very nature of God. as it, Like
0: the way you grossly misrepresent him and tell us about your visions that are absolutely false, about how you have direct access in any time to the wine cellars of heaven. I mean, that wouldn't be a gross misrepresentation, would it, Patricia? Because uh, you and I both know you're lying, Patricia.
3: We think that way. And so I want to unpack this for you and uh, help you lay hold of the prosperity that God has for your life and for my life and, and uh, for all of his children in the kingdom of God. Because Remember,
0: this is a woman who uh, is in favor of mortuary ministries that raise people from the dead but haven't succeeded yet. And um, um, she's cast out werewolf demons from people.
3: We are in a prosperity covenant with the Lord God Almighty.
0: Really, we're in a prosperity covenant with the Lord. Did you know that, John? Josh, did you know that? Yes, sir. Did in the great pumpkin too? I think she might actually believe in the Great Pumpkin, also. You because know? uh, all you have to do is have sincere faith, and the Great Pumpkin will appear to you. Yeah.
3: And when you start seeing this within the scripture, you're going to be so excited. I think uh, one of the things that the enemy used to put a wedge into people's understanding was during um, a season when God was highlighting His biblical prosperity. There was a move.
0: Uh, <laughs> there was a season when God was highlighting His biblical prosperity. Did you know that? Did God use a highlight marker for that? Was it yellow, pink, orange? What was it? Never mind
3: called um, the faith movement or the prosperity movement. Um, there are actually two different components because God was calling his people to believe the word. That was the word of faith movement as it came to
0: Oh, God was calling us to believe the word faith movement. Uh, No, I don't think so. Uh, the word faith heresy is uh, mm, heresy. So God wouldn't be the one calling us to believe that, Patricia. And I bet you uh, you didn't cast out a werewolf demon either.
3: To be known, like any movement, there are the extremes and the the uh, you know.
0: Oh, I see. See, yeah, there's see. The we don't don't let the, the the extreme people in the prosperity movement or the word faith movement keep you from understanding the truthfulness of the prosperity gospel.
3: The things that go overboard in it where the flesh manifests, where things go outside of the perimeters of the word and the nature of God.
0: Oh, like you, uh, Patricia, perimeters of the word of God, outside the perimeters of the word of God. Don't you think the wine cellar of heaven vision thing that you just did falls as falling outside of the perimeters of God's word? There isn't a single scripture that talks about the wine cellars of heaven, though, wait, and drunken angels
3: and you'll find that in any move of the holy spirit but i really i believe that god was truly highlighting his word his promises his covenant and asking us to believe his word and to stand on that word in that way inside that movement there was a call for the church for the body of christ to stand in the prosperity promises of the word of god and as people did that prosperity was coming to them it was a attracted to them because whenever you stand on the word of god and believe it your faith prosperity
0: was attracted to them like uh, you know maybe it's like a, a magnet thing see if once you stand by faith on these prosperity teaching in the prosperity covenant then what happens is is it's like god rubs you on the rug and you get that static electricity going on and then like pieces of paper are attracted to you so hang on a second let me look behind me Nope, I don't see any prosperity behind me. It must not be attracted to me. Oh, okay, now, son, now, you're just... Okay, Joshua here just said that he thought that the apostles died miserable deaths. Well, that's true for 11 of the 12. You know, but we'll get there.
3: Joined with the word of God acts as a magnet for what you're believing for. (laughs) (sighs)
0: You know, with friends like this, who needs
3: enemies? And so prosperity starts coming to you. The problem was is that in some cases, people got very worldly minded.
0: Oh,
1: okay.
3: And started loving money and the pleasures of the world rather than loving God. And there are warnings in the word of God regarding that.
0: Uh, Patricia, isn't that what we do by nature? Um, We don't love God
3: that we will look at in another session. Before we go there, though, um, I want to today uh, help you unpack this whole nature of God in his heart concerning prosperity. Just because...
0: Oh, I can't wait to see this, Patricia. Can't wait to see the Bible passages on this one.
3: Something was in excess in church history doesn't mean that we have to throw the baby out with the bath water. And over the last number of years, as I've been ministering in in different places, encouraging people...
0: You call that ministry? Yeah, I don't call that ministry. Not by any stretch of the imagination from what the Scripture describes as ministry, Patricia. Because you're not exalting Christ, you're exalting yourself in your visions and, and...
3: Hmm. Well, to live in the fullness of what God has for them. I've been finding that many people judge the word faith movement and the prosperity movement in former days. And those ones that judge the prosperity movement, unfortunately, lock themselves into some warfare that has brought lack and oppression and restriction in the area of provision in their life.
0: What did that sentence mean? I I have no idea. So if you have come against the prosperity teaching, then you're creating lack and... and, Yeah, and basically you're responsible for creating poverty. I mean, God would pour out his provision and prosperity upon us if, if you had just accepted the prosperity teaching in its true heretical form.
3: The reason being is because they made a judgment and then they were locked into that judgment.
0: Oh you made a judgment and then you were locked into it
3: as I've helped them see what God has for them and that the judgment that they made was unwarranted they uh, would repent from the judgment that they had towards the movement and some of the ministries in that movement and turned away from their attitude and turned unto God started embracing the truth then prosperity opened up upon them
0: Wow can't wait to hear the rest of this Um, (laughs) stay tuned (laughs) We'll be right back. We're going to take our second break. I can't believe we're actually doing a real second break. I know. <clears throat> so anyway. We're... If you would like to email me, talk about prosperity. Have you been to the wine cellars of heaven? If you have, please send me an email. We'd love to chat with you. I might even call you on the phone. I want to know what, uh, you know. So is the is the prosperity vintage, does that, uh, is that a Cabernet Sauvignon? Yeah, you know, so it, it, you know what about you know, you know the health one is that Zinfandel or is, a, is that a Merlot? I really, if you can help me out here, please email me. Talk back at talkback at and we'll be right back.
2: Jesus did not die for your four hundred one k. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith.
1: This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. I've had enough of this sissy, pansy, turning photo written music you have the audacity to call worship. Men, put this entire girly praise bed in the boo box. Let's wheel in the organ and get some real worship music underway. Ye be listening to Pirate Christian Radio. Hi, I'm Patrick
5: Kyle, a founding partner of New Reformation Press. Just as the first Reformation rediscovered, reclaimed, and restated timeless truths from the Word of God, the mission of New Reformation Press is to reintroduce these truths to the contemporary church and culture. All of our resources are handpicked to ensure that you have the best available biblical and doctrinal materials at your fingertips to help you grasp the treasures of the Reformation and deepen your own understanding of Christ and His work on your behalf. Browse our website at newreformationpress.com. We offer books, CDs, downloadable MP3s, and our very own line of Reformation-themed clothing. Check out the audio presentation, Bible in an Hour, absolutely the finest overview of the scriptures that the staff at New Reformation Press has ever heard. Also, Dr. Rod Rosenblatt's presentation, The Gospel for Those Broken by the Church. A stunning 200-proof presentation of the gospel for those who have been hurt by the church and discouraged as a result of false teaching. Available exclusively through newreformationpress.com. Again, that's newreformationpress.com.
0: All right. Get your waiters on. We're going deep into the sledge. Yeehaw! <laughs> oh man, I tell you, I you just oh man. All right, we're we're in the middle of listening to Patricia King in uh, the first part of her four-part series entitled "God Loves." prosperity and she sure is waxing eloquent and so far i haven't heard a single real bible passage but let's continue and let's let's get this word from patricia king you know of course this is ministry so my heart is being ministered to right now and so is yours
3: (laughs) now what i believe personally what i believe true biblical prosperity is oh
0: this is her opinion here it comes
3: is to first of all have enough to extravagantly worship god
0: oh okay She thinks that uh, the first definition of prosperity is to be able to extravagantly worship God. Uh, Okay, that's great. Nice little opinion. Do you have a passage for us, Patricia?
3: To give to him the first and the best. And we'll talk about that in another session. Secondly, that we have enough of material sustenance to meet our own needs, whatever those needs are. Is different for every person, and thirdly, always enough to help meet the needs of others. That we always live in an overflow.
0: Okay, so her biblical, her, not, I mean her definition. It's not biblical. We haven't established that so far. Is that uh, we always live in an overflow? Mm-hmm. Overflow of what? Well, I told you, get your waiters on. We're going deep. And there's a lot of sludge here. <clears throat>
3: True biblical prosperity does not mean that you love mammon or love riches. It's not a worship of those things. It's not something that you live for. We live for God, but as we live for Him, these things follow us and we can expect them. Yeah,
0: like remember, you're a magnet and these things just... They're nyop, they're attracted to you. Yeah,
3: But we don't worship them. We don't put them as the priority within our life. It's interesting uh, that I find that people that live in a lot of lack have a lot of focus on money and needs. And it's because... Yes,
0: yeah, because they can't feed themselves. Patricia, you'd be worried about that too.
3: They haven't learned to live in the rest of prosperity. When you live in the spirit of prosperity that I'm going to unpack for you, you will know how to embrace the promises for your life. And you start ministering out of rest and excitement and joy because you're expecting God to do great things. It's not... Oh, because you're expecting God to do great. God, I expect you to
0: do great things. Get to work, God. Chop, chop. Here, God. Come on. I expect some great things from you, God.
3: Not about how much money is in your bank account. It's not about how much of the world you've got all over you and all of its glitter. It's about the testimony of the Lord that lives big within you because you've embraced the fullness of all that he has for you. So we've been uh, finding that as people embrace true biblical prosperity, that they become extravagant worshipers of God with their material possessions, they have their own needs met to the full, and that there's an overflow that reaches out to bless the world around them and the people around them. And that's a wonderful way to live. It's a way without worry, without fear doesn't matter what the economy is doing if it's up or down it doesn't matter if you're employed or not employed when you you know
0: it's this video just came out september 29th this is this is on this has been on the internet for four days the one thing i'm extremely excited about is that even though it's only been online for four days only 29 it's only been viewed 29 times In fact, there's more people listening to this show live than have viewed this video in four days. Okay. Uh, you know, it doesn't surprise me. You know, here's the deal. The economy's going bad. Things are tanking. Time to whip out the prosperity message because uh, people are worried. And uh, I'm sure this ends with somehow you sending money to her as as you showing faith that you believe in the prosperity message
3: understand true biblical prosperity you can live in the fullness of that peace all the time no matter what's going on around you
0: well praise the Lord it's recession proof I mean what what good is is prosperity if it's not recession proof
3: and over the next few sessions that's what I'm gonna bring to your heart and life because God has given me a scripture promise
0: Uh, what God has given you a scripture promise what does that mean
3: very strong, especially for this year. And it's due Deuteron-
0: to... Oh, especially for this year?
3: Deuteronomy 8.18.
0: Okay, hang on a second. She says God has given her a scripture promise, especially for this year. The Bible's an almanac. Yeah, it's an almanac. That's right. It's it's poor Richard's... It's poor Jesus' almanac. Deuteronomy. Did she, did she send her um, day of offering I, don't, I wonder if she sent her David day of atonement offering to Paula White, because you don't want to miss that appointment with God. Okay. Oh, well, here's the here's the verse. Are you ready? It's Deuteronomy 8:18. 8, you shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you power to get wealth so that he may confirm his covenant that we that we swore to your fathers as it is in this day. There it is. You see, prophetically speaking, I wow, I did not know that Deuteronomy 8:18 8, was for the year 2008 and that that's a special scriptural promise. <sighs> All right, Deuteronomy 8. Who who's Okay, who is this written to Deuteronomy? The whole commandment that I commanded you today shall be careful be car- you shall be careful to do it that you may live. Oh, yeah, see this is a law. But you know, she's reading this out of context. Deuteronomy 8:18 8, was uh, spoken, you know, these are words spoken to the nation of Israel. Um shortly after the Exodus. And their wilderness wanderings and God revealing and giving them the law and the covenant and the sacrificial system, right? Okay, but see, but it has the words get wealth in it. So that has to, yeah, never mind. Let's let's continue with Patricia.
3: And it says that he is giving us the power to create wealth or to make wealth. And so we're going to look at that. Yeah, out of context there, Patricia. Yeah. In another uh, session, but I have a promise for this year, and I want to see the fullness of that promise uh, manifest, where the heavens are open and the glory of God comes down to see every need met and an advancement of the kingdom.
0: Like Do the words snake oil mean anything to you guys?
3: Yeah. Like never before. Now I want to give you a definition right out of the dictionary. Here.
0: Oh, she's going to exegete the dictionary. <laughs> Okay. Let's let, let's. Okay.
3: There is some uh, words that describe prosperity out of the dictionary. One of them is profitability.
0: Wow, that sounds so spiritual.
3: Do you know that the scripture says that God teaches us to profit? He teaches us to succeed. When we follow the word of God and its principles, we will profit. And so, one of the meanings.
0: Wow, when you follow the principles, you will profit see it's like the law of gravity okay you see i don't know if you guys know this you know if you don't obey the law of gravity you might float away
1: mm-hmm. is there an infomercial
0: for yeah this is yeah <laughs> she should put an infomercial together for you see i again i'm doing the wrong thing here i really what is wrong with me i need to be out there preaching this stuff so that i can have some prosperity for myself man
3: of prosperity is profitability Another one is affluence. Another one is a good life. I've written a little book called The Good Life. It's a little study guide. You can order it online. It's a great little teaching on-
0: uh, That's a little infomercial, don't you think? You can order it online.
3: How you can set goals and how you can go for more than what you've you've got now. And uh, you can live by the promises of God and have them activated within your life.
0: Activated. You can activate the promises of God in your life. Yeah. Wonder twin powers activate. Form of a bucket of water.
3: (laughs) Never mind. And that's one of the definitions out of the dictionary to describe the word prosperity, living a good life. It also said in the dictionary, milk and honey. Isn't that amazing? That no, (laughs) uh, God. It's not amazing. Led Israel into a land of milk and honey. In other words, a land of prosperity. And God wants to lead you into a land of prosperity. He wants to lead you into an abundant...
0: Okay, by the way, the the land of milk and honey stuff, there was a stipulation. Does anyone remember the stipulation regarding the uh, promises made to them? Uh, Oh yeah, I remember. They had to keep the law. If... He said, if, if you keep these, then you will live and you will be, and you will. Pro- and if you don't, then uh, bad things would happen to you. That's the thing about the law. You've got to keep it in order to get the promises attached to it. Hmm.
3: Within your life. Jesus said that he came, that we would have life the good life, and have it in it.
0: Yeah, uh, that's right. Twisting uh, John 10.10. What is it with everybody? These purpose-driven guys are on the John 10.10, these prosperity preachers, John 10.10, out of context. Read it in context.
3: It's abundance, like the milk and honey of life. That's what he wants for you. And this year... And even as you embrace this word, it can change everything for you as we see a shift take place in your life so that you can start moving into fullness. I have faith for that for you, and I'm going to pray for impartation. Woohoo!
0: I can't wait for that. I mean, she's going to pray for impartation for us right over YouTube.
3: In a few moments as well. It also means luxury. Do you know that God is an extravagant God? If you look at the way... Yeah, he,
0: he, God dresses just like Liberace. He's extravagant.
3: That he created the life around you, the trees, the blossoms, the flowers, the fish in the ocean. Everything around you, if you study creation, it's extravagant. It's luxurious.
0: Ask my daughters, you know, sometimes, you know... Honey, want to touch a snake? No, it, but it's extravagant. It's icky. I don't like the spiders,
3: Daddy. If you read in your Bible what heaven is like, you'll find he's got. It's full of gemstones and crystal seas and 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 and, and sapphires and and lots
0: of wine. You've been there. We can go there anytime you want. Remember, Patricia.
3: Light and brilliance and, and beauty, everything about God is so luxurious and extravagant, and that is one of the the definitions of prosperity. And he w-
0: remember she's uh, exegeting the dictionary at this point, but yeah, uh, that ex- oh, that's right, Josh. Oh, you know, again, I think you're being unloving and really narrow minded. Um, in case you're not familiar, this extravagant God that she's describing. Um, when Jesus was born, was he born in a palace or was he born in a barn? He was born in a barn. G- the king of the universe was born in a barn. Yeah, yeah. his, his, his uh, bassinet was a food trough. And he grew up in a backwater part of Israel in a really impoverished section called Nazareth near the Decapolis. That, I mean, talk about poverty ridden. Jesus grew up literally in Israel's skid row. He hung out with poor fishermen. Uh, Patricia, I'm having a hard time reconciling what you're saying with what I understand the Bible says.
3: He wants to lavish you with that goodness. He wants you to have the fullness of everything that he has for you. And also uh, comfort, it means comfort.
0: Do you like? I I, I like comfort. I got a good, I got a nice couch at home. It, it has these really cool recliner seats in it. That's really comfortable.
3: I like to be comforted in times of trial. Do you know that in the earthly realm we can have many things that discomfort us, but in the heavenlies there's comfort. There's comfort, hundred percent comfort.
0: So far, she uh, hasn't really proven anything from the Bible. Hm
3: Hundred percent well being. That's what prosperity is all about. And you can be comforted right now in whatever affliction is trying to strike at you. Because when you embrace prosperity, when you embrace the force and the essence of kingdom prosperity that God loves and how he loves to give it to you, you will have comfort. It also means security. When you are living in prosperity, you have security. Why? Because in God's extravagance, he supplies for us protectors and angelic forces around us. And his very presence that keeps us strong. And it also means plenty. Do you know that one of the, 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 the names of God is...
0: Got to move on to number two here. here. Here we go.
3: All right. Now, this is part two. Of the series I'm doing called, Did You Know That God Loves Prosperity? And he wants you prosperous. He really does. And so if you didn't listen to the last session.
0: Oh, we listened to it. Yeah. (laughs) Been there, done that.
3: I want you to do that before you listen to this one because we talked about the nature of God and the Word of God and the the proving of God's heart.
0: You really didn't do any of that because you didn't show anything from the Scriptures. Huh. I mean, you could talk about it all you want, but if you're not actually showing me what God's Word says and teach me what God's Word teaches in context, then how could you really be talking about the one true God? Because the one true God has given us a book. And it's his word
3: that he wants us to be prosperous. Now, I'm going to take this a little bit uh, further right now. We'll just do it line on line and precept on precept.
0: How do you do it line on line and precept on precept if you haven't even opened the word of God yet? Ugh.
3: I want you to get your Bibles out and turn.
0: Oh, finally. Whew. I was afraid you'd never get to it, Patricia.
3: To Genesis chapter 12, because we're going to look at Abraham and Abraham is
0: father. Abraham. Had many sons,
3: called the Father of Faith, and and he's referred to much in the New Testament because of the covenant that he had with God, and that was a covenant before the law. It was a covenant of faith and a covenant of promise, and
0: uh what uh, I don't read the, about the covenant of pr- well.
3: So we're going to look at uh, the life of Abraham right now, and so turn to Genesis chapter twelve. All
0: right, I'm with you
3: and. Uh, The Lord said to Abram, we'll start in uh, verse 1, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land, which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. You know, sometimes God likes us to remain in obscurity. And if he does, that's a good thing. But sometimes he needs to make our name great. If he needs to make your name great, just let him make it great. But don't you go making it great. Huh? Why
0: is Abraham's name so great? Is it because Abraham was so great? Or is it because Abraham is one of the direct descendants of the one whose name is exalted above every name? that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven on earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The story of Abraham and the things that happened there were following the story of the Messiah. And Abraham trusted God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And every nation on earth was is blessed through Abraham. Why? Because... Through Abraham comes Jesus Christ.
3: Um, whatever God's will is and whatever his purpose is, that's what, what we want. And for Abraham, he says, I'm going to make you a great nation. You see how God talks? He talks in greatness, doesn't he?
0: Yeah, but he's not talking to you now, is he? And he's not talking to me. God didn't meet with me and say, hey, Chris, you know, I'm going to make your name great. You know, hey, Scott, you're, you're going to make your name great. Um, How would this apply to me? Because God's not the one talking to me in that passage. I mean, I I wasn't there. Were you there? Was God talking to you?
3: He says, and I will bless you and make your name, your name, even, do you notice it's not even the Lord's name great through him, but it is Abraham's name great. Uh... And so you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abraham went forth. Now, Abraham, he didn't know God before this time. He he lived in the land of the Chaldeans. He was, his, his family were moon worshipers. And he was called by God to follow him, to leave the family, to leave the the relatives, to leave his lineage and everything behind, to follow a God who he had just met. He didn't know where he was going to go, where he was going to go. But because he obeyed God, because he followed God by faith, God blessed him.
0: How is she defining faith here? Yeah, she's got got a, a different definition of faith that she's operating
3: with. And so God gave him this promise. He said, Follow me, and I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great, and everything is about blessing. He so said, you'll be a blessing. not only going to bless you, but you're, you're going to be a blessing, and I'm going to cause the nations to be blessed through you. That same blessing that was upon Abraham is also upon you when you are in Christ.
0: What? So, because I'm in Christ, uh, God's going to make me a great nation... Or you, a great nation. And every nation will be blessed through me. Uh, no, I don't think so, Patricia. This is a misapplication of God's word. You're taking something that was specific to Abraham and making it universal. And the blessing that that comes through Abraham is Christ.
3: You see, at this time, Jesus Christ was in the loins of Abraham.
0: Uh, see, I use that word today, too. She, you know, that, today's special, today's uh, episode of Fighting for the Faith was brought to you by the word loins and the number 42 thank you
3: he was in the loins of abraham because god had seen what he was going to do through abraham and the seed of promise was inside the loins of abraham so because you're in christ who was in the loins of abraham this promise is also for you
0: oh man you've got to be kidding me it's it's creative. I, I, on the creative scale, I give this one, a, a creative scale of 1 to 10, I give this a 9. Super creative, very innovative, uh, very wrong.
3: You are blessed because of this covenant. You are blessed because you're in Christ. You are blessed and you're created to be a blessing so that the families of the nations will be blessed through you and the Christ in you.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, that's some peculiar language. And the Christ in you. Wow. Now that's a term that I've heard in the New Age movement. Uh, Not in Christianity. And the Christ in you? Wow.
3: And so this is a good thing. But anyways, that's um, just to let you know that that, um, Abram was blessed. And, you know, if you read through the story of Abram, which I would encourage you to do. It talks lots about him being rich. In fact, it talks how he is fruitful and multiplies throughout his whole life. Yeah, and, Abraham- see, and
0: that means that we can be rich, too. See, Abraham was rich, and that means we can be rich, too. Did you know that Isaiah prophesied naked for a long time? Apparently, uh, God didn't want him to go out and buy any clothes.
3: And <sighs> says that at the end of his life, he was rich in all things. In, um, In Genesis 13, it says Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold.
0: See, because he was rich, that means God wants you to be rich too.
3: In verse 14, we see that he goes out to war with the kings and wins. He not only had uh, provisional sustenance, but he had a prosperity and a blessing on him that enabled him to uh, uh, recruit his own army and go out and win against kings. That is what's inside of you.
0: Uh, no, Um, there isn't a single passage of scripture that you can point to that actually says that the way you've described it, Patricia, you've just, you know what, Evil Knievel could not have jumped the canyon of logic that you just set before us. I'm serious, not even in his rocket jet car. Evil Knievel, Uh, by the way, he's dead, I'm sorry, Robbie Knievel could not jump over that canyon of logic.
3: That kind of blessing resides inside of you when you are a covenant child. Now, today, I want to talk about the tithe. Tithe means 10%. Uh
0: Uh-oh, here it comes. I feel feel my money being bled out of my wallet.
3: And I want to show you where this was initiated. It wasn't initiated in the law. It was initiated with Abraham before the law as an act of faith. You know, God never told Abraham to tithe. Never told him to tithe. This was something that was in Abraham's heart to do. God never told him he had to. Abram just had a desire to. It was never mentioned to him by God. It was just something in his heart. And so I want to show you this. Um, a lot of times people say, oh, you know tithing is under the law. You no know, tithing, even though we'll look at the law of it later. tithing was way before the law. It was in the heart of your father Abram through love and faith for God. Now in-
0: okay. This is the pitch for money. What's her pitch? Abram tithes before the law. Therefore, you have to tithe to me, Patricia King, who's feeding you God's word. Oh, how does Paula White put it? And God says, don't appear before him empty-handed. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't take him long to get to the money pitch, does it?
3: In verse 17 of Genesis 14, um, it says that um, uh, Abram returned from the battle and in verse 18 it says and Melchizedek king of Salem brought out bread and wine now he was a priest of God most high now Melchizedek is a mysterious figure within the scripture but personally I feel that it he he, he could have been the representation or he could have been Jesus Christ before he was incarnated into oh him.
0: that's definitely possible but your feelings don't provide the basis for anything there Patricia
3: man. Uh, He was the high priest. He was Melchizedek. He had no beginning and no end of days. Um, But that, of course, um, is an interpretive uh, point. And the bottom line is is that Melchizedek was um, a high priest of God. And it says, and Melchizedek uh, blessed him and said, blessed be Abram of God, most high possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God, most high who has delivered your enemies. Into your hand. So that was the blessing that Melchizedek spoke over Abraham. And then Abram, it says, gave him a tenth of all. Abram gave him a tenth of all. Why? Because he wanted to. Uh,
0: That part, that last part was not actually in the Bible, even though it looked like she was reading it.
3: (laughs) He wanted to. Why did he give him a tenth? It was because he wanted to. A tenth was the first portion. It was the first and the best portion. Now, Abram obviously was blessed. He was living under the blessing of God. God liked that act of tithe. He loved it. He loved it so much that he put it into the law. And he-
0: <laughs> God's up there going, Hey, wow, that's impressive. Why do
3: we make that a law? He said, when you go into the land, when you go into the land to, to establish yourself as my kingdom, I want you to give me a tenth of all. And so he put for them in the law what Abraham had done out of his heart. Then in the New Testament, we see that we are invited To give unto the Lord the first and the best is part of our worship. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. In other words, with all your sustenance. So our tithing is part of that love. It's part of the expression of the love. I want you to turn to um, Malachi. Oh,
0: man. Uh, You know, I I feel like I, out of responsibility at this point, should stop. Because I don't want you to have her... Hear her pitching you for money. Oh, man. You know, how did this rebellious woman uh, become a teacher? You know, by the way, God forbids um, rebellious women from being pastors and teachers like this. She shouldn't be speaking to God's church. Oh, man. This is just crazy.
3: Wine cellar in heaven itself. How? Huh? How? With a sincere heart. How many of you here have a sincere heart? In full assurance
1: of faith. Show! In Jesus' name, the bar is open! The wine cellar is open! Just come on in!
0: But bring your tithe with you.
1: And drink, drink, drink.
0: It only costs you 10% of everything you have.
1: Drink, 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 drink as much as you want. Because we can live in the house of wine.
0: (laughs) Put the two together. That's, uh, man. Anyway, we've come to the end of our program today. Thank you for listening. If you would like to uh, email me, and let me know how God loves prosperity. And uh, tell me about the House of Wine and different wines out there available to us in the God's House of Wine. And I don't know what else to say. It's just it's mind boggling. Email me, talk back at fightingforthefaith.com. Till next time, may God bless you.